Amen. Well, let's open our Bibles to the book of Revelation. Revelation chapter 1. We're going to start our new series, preaching verse by verse through the book of Revelation. And uh, there are notes on the back. I don't normally do notes on Wednesdays, but I figure with the book of Revelation, it might be a good idea. Uh, give you something that you could take home. And if you did not re get one of those notes, you can go back and grab one of those. We're going to start off slow today. Uh, we're looking at the intro. You can't really read that really well at the bottom there. I'll have to fix that. But uh, this is the intro to Revelation. We're looking at verse number one. <laughs> and so it's going to be a slow work through Revelation, let me tell you. No, uh, it will be a little bit slow, but we're going to work through it. Um, most times we'll do more than one verse, I guarantee you. Uh, but we'll look at that verse in just a moment. Well, let's just go ahead and read it now. Uh, the Bible says, The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave unto him, to show unto his servants things which must shortly come to pass. And he sent and signified it by his angel unto his servant John. And we'll look at the more later, but first we're going to look at verse number one here. First I want to talk about, uh, as an introduction to Revelation, I want to talk about the problem of Revelation. First of all, let's notice that it's Revelation, not Revelations, okay? It's not the revelations of things that will happen, it is the revelation of Jesus Christ. And so with the, uh, it's a, the revealing Jesus himself. Uh, but the problem of Revelation is, first of all, number one, the most, it's probably the most misunderstood book of the Bible, uh, simply because people aren't reading it. Uh, they're intimidated by it, and they don't read it. Um, they uh, cautions to say here, too, one, one it would be don't symbolize everything in the book of Revelation. Uh, we'll talk about this again in a moment, but read literally um, wherever it can be literal. And there are some places in Revelation that I believe are literal that uh, you can't imagine being literal. Uh, but I do believe that some of it is literal. Um, I heard one pastor one time say that he can talk to a man who grew up in China and believe the same thing about Revelation if they both take it literally. Uh, he said it's amazing how he, in his missionary travels and evangelism travels, he can talk to people from different countries and different places of origin and they compare notes on the book of Revelation, and they, they line right up because they both take it literally and, and interpret it literally. And they'll come up with the same conclusion. So that's one problem is that uh, people misunderstand the book. Uh, number two, the second problem with Revelation that people have is it's the, often the most misinterpreted book of the Bible because people insist on uh, interpreting it instead of just taking it for what it says and trying to figure a deeper meaning and things in there. Thirdly, a uh, problem with Revelation is that it's probably the most hated book in the Bible uh, because its message runs cross-grained with our very nature, our sin nature. Uh, this book reveals our accountability, and it runs against our own desires, our own sinful desires. And the book of Revelation is one of the most feared and, even and definitely the most neglected book of the Bible. Um, I've often said, I don't want to preach through Revelation. <laughs> and uh, it's intimidating. And I know, uh, I believe what I believe, and I, I feel like I've got a good grasp on the book of Revelation, but it's intimidating. And uh, yet, this is what the Lord has laid on my heart, and um, I, it's what we feel like I, we, we should ought to go through. I heard one preacher say that uh, his great-grandfather uh, was a uh, prophecy expert and pastor and evangelist. 
And uh, he said that uh, one thing you can see through history is during the darkest times of history, there has been a pulling away from prophecy. Um, people, uh, the lack of interest in prophecy. And it's one of the darkest days of interest. And it makes sense uh, because prophecy reveals judgment. And we don't want to hear judgment whenever we're doing evil. And, uh, but the book of Revelation is not about judgment. Okay? It just contains a revelation of judgment, a part of it. Um, but the uh, book reveals our accountability. Um, and the book of Revelations is feared, but it's important. Uh, this book is vital for God's people to truly desire uh, to understand. If you want to understand God's eternal purposes, you need to know what Revelation says. Just glancing at a verse here in Revelation 1, verse number 3, the Bible says there, Blessed is he that heareth. And they that hear the words of this prophecy, keep those things which are written therein, for the time is at hand. And I'm going to be preaching on that verse there a little later <coughs> in the year, separate from this study on Revelation. But blessed is he that he readeth, and they that hear the words of this prophecy, and keep those things which are written therein, for the time is at hand. And Revelation 22.10 tells us, And he said unto me, Seal not the sayings of the prophecy of this book, for the time is at hand. It's important that we know what's going on and what is going to happen. And God wants us to know this book, and he will bless us for the study of it. Many people study this book with a question, Where are we today in the timeline? And I like a quote uh, from uh, Phillips, a Bible commentator, uh, who said, thoughtful people are insisting that if we are not living in the age of the apocalypse, we must at least be living on the threshold of that age. By the way, this was written in 1974. You would think that it would be written today. Uh, but he said, we, uh, we must be at least living on the threshold of that age. So many significant things are happening. Consider the rebirth, rebirth of the state of Israel, the rise of Russia to the status of world power and her domination of the Middle East and key parts of Africa, the rise of the nations of Europe to increase collective consciousness, the awakening of China and the nations of the Orient, the sudden wealth, importance, and influence of the Muslim Arab world based on, uh, world on their based on their control of much of the world's oil, the resurgent of militant Islam, the political and moral bankruptcy of the nations and their international institutions, the rise of sodomite society, the constant brooding threat of nuclear war, the rising tides of lawlessness, the apostasy of the professing church, the vast changes within the Roman Catholic Church, the emergence of the drug culture, the rev revival of the occult, the staggering strides being made in science and technology, the tend towards totalitarian—let's try that again—totalitarianism, uh, the ecological ecological threat to the planet, and these and similar pieces are all a part of the jigsaw puzzle of our age. Thoughtful people believe that if any clue to the picture is to be found, it must be in the book of Revelation. Boy, does that sound like it could have been written yesterday. Um, but the book of Revelation is more than a commentary on today. In fact, it shows us the completion of God's plan for the ages. But we really must understand truly what Revelation is about. It's about the person of Revelation. It's so important to understand that the book of Revelation is not a book about the wrath of God. It's a book about Jesus Christ. It's the revelation of Jesus Christ. 
And the key of understanding Revelation is in its title. It is the revelation of Jesus. It's about him. But it is also his revelation to us. He is revealing to us. Revelation shows us the completion of what commenced in Genesis. Bring up the table. It's also in your, in your uh, notes there. I don't know if you can read that, so I put it in your notes. Uh, but it, Revelation shows us the completion of what commenced in Genesis. Uh, first of all, the Genesis, in Genesis we see the commencement of the heaven and earth in Genesis 1.1. In Revelation 21.1 we see the consummation of the heaven and earth. In Genesis, we see the entrance of sin and death in Genesis 3, 1 through 19. In Revelation 21, 27 and 21, 4, we see the, uh, see the end of sin and death. In Genesis, we see the dawn of Satan's activities in chapter 3, verses 1 through 7. In Revelation 20, 10, we see the demise of Satan's power. In Genesis, we see the expulsion from paradise in chapter 3, verses 23 to 24. In Revelation... We see the entrance to paradise in chapter 21, 23, and 24. In Genesis, we see the plan of redemption foretold in Genesis 3.15. In Revelation 26, we see the plan of redemption fulfilled. In Genesis, we see the tree of life relinquished in chapter 3, verse 24. In Revelation, the tree of life is restored in Revelation 22.3. In Genesis, we see the curse uh, engulfs creation in chapter 3, 13 through 20. But in Revelation 22.2, we see the curse eliminated from creation. In Genesis, the beginning of sorrows in Genesis 3.16. In Revelation 21.4, we see the banishment of sorrows. In Genesis 10.1-32, we see the formation of all nations. In Revelation chapter 21, uh, as well as chapter 19, we see the finality of all nations. And then number 10, the Genesis 12.1-4, we see the formation of Israel. And in Genesis, and Revelation 20, 1 through 6, we see the finality of Israel. This is taken from a chart in Tim LaHaye's book, Revelation Made Plain. Uh, and uh, I included it in your notes there so you could see it as well. But Revelation is the consummation of what God began and, what, uh, and, and as well as what was the result of sin uh, in Genesis. And so we want to look at the book of Revelation in the coming weeks. First of all, I want to talk about the method of interpretation, number one. The method of interpretation. How we interpret Revelation is going to determine what we believe about this book. And I'll tell you, there are some incorrect methods. In fact, that's letter A. Uh, there are some incorrect methods. First of all, number one, under letter A, is called the preterist or the past tense method. The preterist method. This view says that prophecies are already fulfilled. And they say the prophecies were fulfilled when Rome destroyed, uh, was destroyed in A.D. 70. Uh, there are still popular teachers who teach this incorrect interpretation. R.C. Sproul, in his book, The Last Days, seems to advance this at least a moderate preterist position. Um, a very uh, well-known uh, uh, preacher. Um, and they'll often spiritualize prophecy to make it fit a historical events in the church age. Uh, it's not a literal interpretation of the word of God. Uh, uh, another moderate preterist, Kenneth Gentry Jr., explains 
Matthew 24, 1 through 34, and, and parallels in the Olivet Discourse was fulfilled in the events surrounding the fall of Jerusalem in AD 70. In Revelation, most of the prophecies before Revelation 20 find full fulfillment in the fall of Jerusalem. And uh, I believe there's a, quite a stretch to get that answer. Um, and such is certainly not a literal interpretation of the Word of God. Uh, second view that is incorrect is called the presentist view or the present tense, uh, sometimes called the his, uh, historicist view. Uh, the view believes Revelation is symbolic of all of human history. Uh, they place the date of writing around 66 to 69 uh, AD under Nero. Um, this uh, view is called the uh, historicist approach by many. This view teaches that Revelation is a symbolic representation that presents the course of history uh, from the Apostles' life through the end of the age. And the symbols in the Apocalypse correspond to events, especially in history of the Western Europe, including various popes and the Protestant Reformation and French Revolution and uh, uh, rulers such as Charlemagne. And most interpreters place the events in, of their day in the later chapters of Revelation. Um, and this approach allows for a wide variety of interpretations uh, because different people apply various events to different parts of, of Revelation. There's no definite uh, interpretation of these events. Uh, Moses Stewart echoed the same concern in his writing over a century ago. Uh, he stated, Hitherto scarcely any two original and independent expositors have agreed in respect to some points very important in their bearing upon the interpretation of this book. Uh, and so there's very a wide variety of, of interpretations there and application of what these things mean. Uh, I don't believe God gives us a book that he doesn't want us to understand what they mean. And uh, he's going to give us a consensus on that. Secondly, this view focuses mostly on the church of Western Europe. Uh, it doesn't account for what God has done and is, and is doing in the, in the East. And thirdly, this view would have little significance for the church of the first century, whom John is addressing here. Uh, many Reformation preachers held to this view, though. And the third incorrect view, I believe, is called the allegorical view. The allegorical view. Sometimes this is called the idealist view. Uh, this view says that uh, this book is merely a struggle between good and evil, and symbolic and allegorical for that picture. And says there's no specific day of judgment. Uh, the allegorical approach to Revelation was introduced by ancient church father or Origen. I don't know how to say his name really, and, but it was also made prominent by Augustine, and we recognize that name. Uh, but according to this view, the events of Re uh, Revelation are not tied to specific historical events. And the imagery of the book symbolically presents the ongoing struggle throughout the ages of God against Satan and good against evil. <coughs> the symbols in Revelation are not tied to specific events, but point to themes throughout church history. And the battles of Revelation are viewed as spiritual warfare manifested in the persecution of, on Christians or wars in general that have occurred in history. Uh, the beast from the sea may be identified as, a, as the satanically inspired political opposition to the church in any age. Uh, the beast from the land represents pagan or corrupt religion to Christianity. Uh, the harlot represents the compromised church or the seduction of the world in general. 
Uh, each seal, trumpet, bowl represents natural disasters, wars, and famines, and the like, which occur as God works out his plan in history. And God, catastrophes represent God's displeasure with sinful man. However, sinful mankind goes through these catastrophes while still refusing to turn and repent. And God ultimately triumphs in the end, though, they say, and which he does. <laughs> uh, but there are several weaknesses in this view. Uh, first of all, this view denies the book of Revelation any, any specific historical fulfillment. Uh, secondly, reading spiritual meanings into the text could lead to very arbitrary interpretations, much like the, some of the other views where you can't pinpoint what they represent. Uh, the interpretation tends to change with the flow of culture or even social and political factors. And through the ages, whenever you are that arbitrary, uh, as society changes, and so does the interpretation of some of the factors. Uh, someone, uh, someone said, unless interpreters are grounded in the grammatical, historical, and contextual method of hermeneutics, they leave themselves open to alternate interpretations that may even contradict the author's intended meaning. Uh, how important it is that we stick to uh, a literal interpretation of the word of God. So that leads us to letter B, the correct method. And this is called the futurist view. This view believes the Bible should be interpreted literally in its historical context and in its grammatical context. Uh, this view regards the book of Revelation as yet future in time and prophetic in nature. All events in the book are actual and are either plainly understood as stated or symbolized. Uh, we should always uh, try to, we should always take every word at its primary, ordinary, usual, literal meaning, unless the facts of the immediate context and the comparison to similar passages would dictate otherwise. In other words, we take it literally unless we're unable to. Um, and this figurative, uh, there is figurative language, uh, and it has a meaning that is understandable, uh, however. And we consider the futurist view to be correct because the book is called a prophecy. Uh, verse 1 tells us this, uh, and it's the revelation of Jesus Christ. Uh, which God gave unto, uh, unto him to show unto his servants the things which must shortly come to pass. That is what prophecy is. And because the book was written after Nero was dead, uh, then it has, cannot be true for the other views. Um, that's why they tried to change the, the time of when it was written, even though there's historical documentation to show us otherwise. And those who reject literal futurist interpretation often reject the doctrines of hell, uh, the doctrine of judgment, and the doctrine of the second coming. Uh, futurists apply a literal approach to interpreting revelation, though. And futurists teach that prophecy using, uh, prophecies using symbolic languages are also to be normally interpreted according to the law of language. Uh, J.P. Lang stated, the literalist, so-called, is not one who denies that figurative language, that symbols, are used in prophecy, nor does he deny that great spiritual truths are set forth therein. His position is simply that the prophecies are to be normally interpreted according to the received laws of language, as any other utterances are interpreted, uh, that which is ma uh, manifestly figurative being so regarded. Charles, Charles Ryrie 
uh, also states, symbols, figures of speech, and types are all interpreted plainly in this method, and they are in no way contrary to literal interpretation. After all, the very existence of any meaning for a figure of speech depends on the reality of the literal meaning of the term involved. <coughs> Figures often make the meaning plainer, but, is, but it is the literal, normal, or plain meaning that they convey to the reader. So, uh, there are, uh, the method of interpretation is very important. Okay, and we're going to take a literal interpretation and a futurist interpretation. Number two, the meaning of the name. The meaning of the name. First of all, the book is called in English the Revelation of St. John the Divine or the Revelation of Jesus Christ, as the first words uh, include and tell us. And the English word is the word revelation. It comes from the word uh, from the Latin uh, re and vellum which means the unveiling. Um, and people attribute revelation to an idea of wrath or judgment, but that's not what it's talking about. It's a revealing, <laughs> a revelation, and it's uh, uh, unveiling. One reason that people do attribute that to the word uh, is because the second meaning of the name, or the second word that we want to look at, and that is the Greek word, which is apocalypse. Uh, it comes from the, uh, it's a, um, Compound Greek word, apo and calypto, uh, which literally uh, means an uncovering. Uh, so apocalypse, we, uh, because of, the of what's in the book of Revelation, we attribute apocalypse to the end of all things and judgment and all those things. But the word literally means an, uh, a, an uncovering, a revelation, a revealing. And this book is the uncovering of the person and eternal purpose of Christ. And here we see the final answer to Matthew chapter 6, verse 10, where he's, Jesus said, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. And here we see his will being done. And we see the revelation of that. We see God's will in heaven and its fulfillment on earth. And most of the book's fulfillment takes place after the church is removed from the earth. And then number three. We saw the meaning of the name. Now let's look at number three, the, God, the man that God used. The man that God used. Uh, we uh, first of all see his name, letter A, and that is, of course, the Apostle John. Uh, he most likely uh, wrote while banished on the Isle of Patmos. Uh, and uh, we, we see that he was the one that uh, probably the, most likely the last living uh, apostle uh, and this was revealed to, to him to show us what uh, the Bible says here in verse number one. Uh, gave unto him to show unto his servants things which must shortly come to pass. And that's the purpose of it. Uh, so we see his name. Secondly, we see his experience. Uh, verse 10 of chapter 1 tells us. It says uh, uh, his experience was in verse 10. It says, I was in the spirit of the Lord on, on the Lord's day and heard behind me a great voice as of a trumpet. And so he's there, and all of a sudden he hears this voice. Verse 19, it tells us that he's told, Write the things which thou hast seen, and the things which are, and the things which shall be hereafter. And uh, so his, his, uh, his experience was he was transported to a different point in time called the Lord's Day. He saw the Lord's Day, which is an extended period of time beginning with the rapture of the church and ending with a great white throne judgment. 
Uh, we see uh, a lot of this spoken of in 1 Thessalonians 5 and 2 Thessalonians 2. Uh, he wrote the things uh, which, first of all, number, uh, number one, I don't think it's in your notes, but number one, the things that he had seen. Uh, that's the church age. He had seen the things himself. Uh, he writes this in Revelation 2, verse 1 through Revelation 3, 22, chapters 2 and 3. And so he writes the things that he had seen. And second, he writes the things which are the day of the Lord, the things he is seeing right then. And we find that in Revelation 4 through Revelation 20. Um, uh, the things which are the day of the Lord. And we, he writes about the things which shall be. And that would be the new heavens and the new earth. And we find that in Revelation 21 and 22. So we're going to open up this book and we're going to look step by step. And I'm going to do a lot more studying. And I'm going to be looking at this more carefully and uh, taking it step by step through. Uh, and uh, taking a look at a lot of this. And so according to John's vision, I believe we are part of what was past uh, the church age. I believe we're coming to an end of the church age, though. And the day of the Lord is imminent. Uh, any moment. Second Peter chapter 3, verse 10 and 11 tells us, But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in the, in the which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise. The elements shall melt with fervent heat, and the earth also, and the works that are therein shall be burned up. Seeing that then all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of persons ought ye to be in all holy conversation and godliness? And boy, that's a question for us today, isn't it? But seeing that this is all at the end, we're coming to the end of the end days of the church age. And seeing that all of these things are right upon us, especially with many of the events that are happening all around us. And uh, I, 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 I expect that we'll be talking about some of those events. Uh, but seeing that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of persons ought ye to be in all holy conversation, in all holy behavior, the word means, and godliness. Uh, let's live like we are called, amen? Live as Christians. Amen? Well, let's go ahead and take uh, some time now and take some prayer requests.